Welcome to Relationships as Spiritual Practice, Bridging the Secular and Spiritual, with your host, Lachelle Lowe-Chardet, founder of Mindful Compassionate Dialogue and Wiseheart PDX. Welcome. Thank you for being here. Thank you for taking the time to dedicate yourself to transformation, to growth, to learning, to making life more wonderful. Today, talking about this challenge when you hear yourself say, I can't be myself in this relationship. And I want to touch on three central points regarding this topic. First, just exploring a little bit, what does it really mean when you say, be yourself? What does that mean? Just throw out some ideas there for you to contemplate. The second is to examine specifically as an obstacle to being yourself, limiting beliefs. Identifying some limiting beliefs, and then thirdly, some practices to free yourself from those limiting beliefs. So first, just as a coming into this topic, I want to offer compassion for hmm, how many people have this sense like they can't quite be themselves. I wrote this also as a connection gem of the week, and it was, it has been in the some 15 years of the publication of the connection gem of the week, the most popular post has been this topic, I can't be myself in relationship. So you're in good company, and that might be helpful to remember, to help you with self-acceptance and... Mm, patience with your growth process. And also, we can bring compassion for the fact that most of us are not seeing what it means to be in a thriving relationship in which authenticity is supported. We don't We don't necessarily see that happening. We don't necessarily have that modeled. So I want to offer compassion for that as well. That there's no reason you should already know this stuff. We're trying to make a difference here at Wiseheart and having this, these basics of relationship, both with yourself and others, be out there and be a known thing. And we're on the path. And maybe also I just want to name, it's so easy, I think, in relationship with someone else, someone close to you, that when you can't be yourself, you think it's the other person's fault. I think this might especially be true when you notice that in some relationships, ah, you feel so much at ease with yourself and... This authenticity, this flow seems to happen. And then with a different person, hmm, you find that really difficult to access. 
So in that case, it can be easy to say, well, this other person isn't letting me be myself. They're not supporting my authenticity. Hmm. And of course, it's true that in any relationship, it's a relationship dynamic going back and forth, right? And that each person is sending energy in helpful ways and unhelpful ways, behaving or saying things that in a given moment might not be helpful. Might not support you in feeling the sense of acceptance and relaxation that would allow you to more easily access what's true for you in a given moment and express that with clarity and transparency, maybe even celebration. So I want to acknowledge that a particular relationship dynamic going back and forth may be more or less supportive, of course, of your authenticity. And that being so, it is still you who's here listening, right? And it is you who has the power to make a change on your side. That to the extent that you wish and demand and silently or out loud resent someone for behaving in a way that you don't find supportive, all that won't necessarily help them to transform. So that leaves you. Okay, so let's dive in with you accessing authenticity as much as possible in every environment that you're in, being able to be yourself. So what does that mean to be yourself when you say that? I think sometimes when people say, I just want to be myself, I think sometimes they just want to act in a habitual way. I don't believe that you are your habits. I really don't. If you're identifying who you are as your habits, like you get to say whatever comes to you without thinking or just follow your little ways of doing things, that seems to me an incredible limitation of who you are. So I would like to offer some possibilities for an expansive sense of self that hopefully will still be concrete enough for you to make use of when you answer that question in your own contemplation practice. Hmm. I would imagine that when you're feeling into your deepest sense of who you are, there's something in there about your life purpose. Hmm. And sometimes when we hear life purpose, we think career. And I'm not going in that direction. I'm saying there's something in there that when you engage in that activity, in that particular way, that you ah, 
you feel aligned within yourself. You feel, you have this sense like, ah, my life is lining up. There's a certain sense of flow. It might be when you're just showing up as a really good friend or when you're taking care of the land and you're gardening and planting native plants. It might be tending to your animals. It might be just being a team member at work that helps others at work to see their gifts. It might be giving someone your seat on a bus. It could be anything that brings you into this sense of, ah, an opening inside yourself, a sense of home inside yourself. Often it involves knowing what really matters most to you and being able to organize your decisions around those central values. What really matters most for you and what gives you this sense of aliveness? I'm alive in my life. I'm awake in my life. That Those are often signs of, ah, I'm being myself. This is my authentic life. And in a way, I would propose that living your authentic life is a constant evolution. You're constantly discovering that moment by moment because life is a process and it's alive and flowing, constantly changing. And so you're peeling away often, sometimes in painful ways and sometimes in celebratory ways. You're peeling away layers of ideas and conditioning that you don't identify with, that don't support your thriving, that aren't authentic for you, that you simply adopted to adapt. You adopted to adapt these layers of ideas about who you are, who you should be. So I want to acknowledge that giant process of knowing what's authentic for you. Let's take a look then at a couple more layers here. Limiting beliefs is part of that conditioning. Those things you adopted to adapt initially in your life or at some stage of life. Limiting beliefs are these beliefs that were once adaptive and now they just limit your life. They actually affect what you perceive, the decisions you make, how you view yourself, how you view someone else, how you live in relationship. Let's specifically look at a few limiting beliefs that I think would be most likely to be at the root of not being able to be yourself in relationship. The first is, I can't fully be myself and also have relationship. So somewhere along the way, your mind set up 
a duality in which those two things couldn't exist at the same time. Or another way of saying that is to be in relationship means accommodating the other person and giving up who I am. At least to some level. Another limiting belief could be being myself hurts you or will be a burden for you, for the other person. So you might say to yourself, so I have to deny myself to stay in relationship. That's just the way it is. I have to endure it. So relationships become sort of an endurance test. So that one was being, being myself hurts you or is a burden to you. That kind of limiting belief might, we might find in a family in which a caregiver had a chronic illness and if someone has a chronic illness, caring for a child can seem like a burden, right? And the child might incorporate this idea that I am a burden. And the best way to keep my caregiver's attention is to accommodate them as much as possible and deny who I am. A third one is I'm not good enough as I am. I have to continuously secure your love by being better. So this is this whole idea of earning relationship with someone. I have to earn your love, your care. I have to earn this relationship by constantly improving, showing up in the right way, the perfect way. Hmm, an exhausting way, as you might imagine, to be in relationship. Another one might be a limiting belief, like it's not safe to be the real me. The real me isn't welcome here. So somewhere along the way, if you, if you resonate, if you recognize that limiting belief, your authentic expression was shamed or rejected, or you perceived it was shamed and rejected. And so you develop the habit of holding back. So even though you're entirely different set of relationships at this time in your life, there's still this habit, this internal block. It's dangerous to be authentic, to be who you are. Another one is I can only rely on myself. If I share my needs, you won't meet them anyway, so why bother? So this is sort of that alienation. Somewhere along the line, you learned, ah, my needs aren't important enough to be cared for. And you started alienating yourself from others in order to tend to your survival. If I share who I am, I will be used or made fun of, or rejected. There's a limiting belief. Again, a different kind of danger, perhaps, but very similar to the last one. 
right? Or to the one before that, it's not safe to be who I am. Each of these are pretty related as you're noticing, but a little bit of nuance, I'm listing a, a number of them because a little bit of changing the words might awaken something in you in which you can notice, ah, there it is, or find your own version of the limiting belief. Okay, let's just do one more. If I am helpless and endearing, you will be motivated to meet my needs. Oh, this is a really tough one in terms of being able to step into your strength and your competence and your empowerment within a relationship. This limiting belief that I will only get your care and attention if I'm cute and sort of helpless, right? Okay. So there's a few limiting beliefs for you to consider. I recommend going back over those when you're sitting down with a pen and paper, your journal, and maybe pausing the recording after each one and repeating it and seeing if there's any charge in you when you hear it. And if you notice a little charge, a little activation in your body or in your emotions with a particular one, then I would encourage you to stay with that one and either just repeat it and notice with mindfulness if an experience arises, a memory, right? If, the, if your consciousness is ready, it will often just deliver to you a memory of when that limiting belief was formed or a very symbolic moment of when it was mm, represented or in action or relevant. You could also identify a limiting belief that resonates for you and then try to rewrite it a little bit and see if you can find the form that lives in your consciousness. If you're a more visual person, you could pause at the one that resonates and then just ask for an image to come. If you're a kinesthetic person, maybe an action or a movement. Okay, that's one practice. Finding and identifying a limiting belief, something that might be an obstacle for you being yourself in a relationship. Okay, so then next you might keep your eye out, keep your mindfulness, noticing that limiting belief in action. So in order to interrupt these old systems of being, ways of being, habits of being, based on limiting beliefs, it's super helpful to have some idea of, well, how will I know if that's operating, right? So, so important. And let me give you some signs that a limiting belief is in action. Any sign of reactivity, it's probably a sign that a limiting belief is up and, up and running in your system. But a, particularly in a close relationship <clears throat> in which you notice you're giving up your authenticity, you can't access a sense of being yourself, you might notice feelings of resentment, 
habits of avoiding that person, wishing for more time to yourself if you live with them, wishing they'd come home later, for example, a feeling of deflation or numbness, especially after agreeing to something or making a decision with that person, keeping a scorecard, right? We keep relationship scorecards. I did this for you. You should do this for me. How many times have you done this for me? And how many I've done it for you? Because we're making decisions out of obligation. That's why we keep scorecards. And if we don't make a decision from the heart, then we're tracking what each other is doing like it's a mathematical equation, right? Rather than trusting that flow. Sudden feelings of dislike, aversion, or even hate for the other person is a good sign that you've abandoned yourself somewhere along the way and you're resenting them for your own self-abandonment, blaming them. Anger outbursts that seem to come from nowhere. When the balance of time you want to connect with this person is lower than time you want to be away from them. That's probably a good sign that when you're with them, that limiting belief is operating. And of course, just the consistency of saying yes to things that you wish you would have said no to, right? Those are signs that in those moments that you said yes, you lost what's true for you when you wanted to say no. Okay, then let's look at our last piece here today. Once you are catching, identifying limiting beliefs and catching them in action, then there's a simple action that you can take. Two simple actions. One is to just say it out loud. Of course, this depends on the level of rapport you, and trust you have in a given relationship. But even if you can say in a vague way, right, the moment you notice, oh, there's a little resentment, I'm probably abandoning something that's true for me. You may not want to say all that out loud, but you can say something like, oh, hang on, I'm no noticing something's a little off. Or you can say, there's something else coming up for me, but I don't know what it is yet. Or I notice a part of me is saying yes, and there are other parts saying different things, even though I don't know what they are. Right? Any way to point to that lack of clarity in yourself, that complexity of experience in yourself, will help to interrupt the habit of just making decisions from that limiting belief and interacting from that place. Transparency is so, so important. So let's just do a quick example, more specific. So let's imagine that <clears throat> you, you have a partner, your partners, you have plans with your partner. They say, Maybe on Thursday, my family would like us to come over for dinner on Friday night. Would you be up for it? And you take a deep breath 
and you notice the sense of pressure and you recognize there's another telltale symptom, right? A sense of pressure inside yourself, tension, pressure, is a, is a pointer to conflict or maybe to a pressure to say yes when you want to say no. So you just say that out loud. You say, oh, I hear one part of me wanting to say yes to your request, and then I notice all this tension. And then I notice a reactive part of me is saying, I have to say yes, even though in this moment, I just need, I just know I need rest and play. I'm, and I can't even imagine having the energy by Saturday evening for a social event. You just say all that out loud. And maybe take some responsibility for that conflict and say, I don't want to make decisions or answer you from this place in me. I'm wondering if I can check in with you tomorrow night or if I can say no now and come up with some ideas for you to meet whatever needs going to dinner with your family would meet. I'm guessing you're wanting family, connection, maybe support, right? Maybe you'd enter into a collaboration in that moment, or maybe you would ask to delay the conversation, depending on the energy you have. So that transparency. And just the second part that I really want to highlight with my example is that First was the transparency, and then was a specific request. So those are the two actions that I'm proposing. Transparency about the inner conflict, and then a specific and doable request. In the example, it was either a request to, can I tell you, would you be willing to hear my answer tomorrow? Or a request to collaborate on a way that both people's needs could be met and honored. So it was a request for collaboration, maybe brainstorming. Those two things are really important to interrupt that pattern, that relationship dynamic, right? In which you're abandoning what's true for you, finding it impossible to feel like you can be yourself. Okay, so I encourage you then, after hearing this, to take some time and reflect. What's a relationship in which you have a sense, I can't be myself, you hear yourself saying that. Identify a limiting belief about who you should be in that relationship, perhaps, or one of the many that we listed. And then watch for the signs of that belief in play, right? And you can do that retrospectively by reviewing in your mind, in your memory, or with someone else, situations in which you gave up who you are, in which you said yes when you wanted to say no, or you were behaving in a way that you judge as inauthentic. And you could... Go back and examine those situations. What were the signs as I was coming into that situation that I was already disconnected from myself? And working backwards, noticing, ah, and where, if I would have had the skills and the awareness, 
Could I have offered that transparency and made a request to move in a different direction or for support or collaboration in some way? Hmm. One last thing that's just occurring to me now as we move towards a close is that you can also really examine the relationships in which you do have a sense of ease about being yourself. And notice what you're telling yourself in those relationships, what you're thinking, what you're believing, how you're behaving, the decisions you make, the questions you ask, and start to bring those things that support you into the relationships you find challenging to be yourself. Thank you so, so much for listening today. I am so grateful to be in community with you and that together we are changing the world, creating a world with greater awareness and connection and collaboration and community. Thank you so, so much. Radiating love from my heart to yours. You can learn more about Mindful Compassionate Dialogue and find free resources, live offerings, and self-paced workshops online at www.wiseheartpdx.org. You can also connect with WiseHeart on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube, or by emailing info at wiseheartpdx.org.